I want to say hi to my guest. I'll introduce her in just a little bit. And she's, she's all the way in SVG. And, uh, and we're, we're going to have, or we're going to try to have a blast. Because I suspect we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff. But we're going to try and have a blast today. Um, you have your character tea? Let me see a mm-hmm. Oh, look at him. Look at your mug. I like that <laughs> it's mug. Cute, right? It's real cute. I think so. It's real cute. She has a cute mug. See, she ready. She ready. We and, ready. Um, yes, we hope that you guys um, can share share the link. I just, first of all, want to introduce you. Uh, I'll say thanks first to everybody who's joining us. And special, special thanks to my guests for being here with us uh, today. Um, I would, first of all, like to start each show by letting folks know how I met my guests or how I know my guests or, or the dynamics between me and my guests, whatever it is. And um, my guest actually is a, a Carrie Scholar mentor. And my loving sister, who is um, in in the UK, she has a, a network called Carrie Scholar, which is a mentorship program, uh, which helps connect um, Caribbean students to persons of interest in whatever field that um, that they're interested in. And she said, "Oh, I'll share the link with uh, my my uh, mentors and whoever is interested in being." on the show um, can always connect with you. And my beautiful guest was one of the folks who um, connected with me. And when I saw, cause I like to keep the show very um, versatile, you know, introduce different things and talk about different things that affect us as well as the fun stuff. You know, we want to keep it fun, but we also want to keep it serious as well at times. And she is, um, when I, when I, when I, saw her, her 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 resume and what she she is i was like oh that would be somebody interesting to bring on the show so i immediately contacted her and um we started communicating from then uh, with uh, three years experience working with adults and juveniles with substance abuse and mental health disorders uh, my guest today has collaborated with officials on positively reforming laws concerned with juvenile incarceration and has worked with researchers as well as she's actually been a research assistant to create the first juvenile justice framework for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Employed currently as a psychotherapist slash a rehabilitation counselor. She has also worked as a mental health therapist, a case manager and vocational evaluator at an evaluation and development center in the United States, a Carrie Scholar mentor, and one of our fellow islanders all the way from svg i want to say hi to kimberly cambridge hi kimberly good evening jl and thank you for having me it is an honor to be here with you thank you so very much for being here with us we have guests coming on right now and we want to say hi to someone who's looking out all the way from senegal west africa is locked in (laughs) 
<laughs> and thank you so very much for for connecting with us and we the viewers are slowly coming in and uh, we want to encourage you if you just got on you know share the link with somebody else share the link with a friend share it on your timeline and let folks know uh, that uh, they can come on hop on and you can also ask questions during the course of the show of course if Kimberly can answer she will if she can't I'm sure she will probably say to you, hey, let me touch base with you again, or let's connect again, and, and probably I can help you or help you better answer your question. Right, Kimberly? Absolutely. Great. Uh, so I want to say a special good afternoon to all the viewers, and also this uh, actual video live is going to uh, be converted into a podcast, so you can also listen on iTunes. So if for some reason you start watching and you're unable to continue because probably, you know, you had to head out or probably you have bad in internet connection or whatever the case might be, um, you can, after about 24 hours, go back on my website and have access to the actual podcast. So you can listen in your phone on your phone you can listen on the radio um of your car you can listen on your computer however you choose to listen you can do that i want to say a special good afternoon to a very good friend of my of mine who's locked in as well uh, that is dr gilda nesty tong all the way from dominica she's locked in she has worked extensively with mental patients so kimberly you have someone uh <laughs> On your on your team tonight, I suspect all you're gonna gang up on me. <laughs> uh, so we have um, uh, Dr. Nesty Tong joining us as well. So um, as I promised you, we're gonna get this started. And as I mentioned before, you know, um, Kimberly has worked with Carrie Scholar. She's worked with with many different organizations. But Kimberly, who exactly is Kimberly? You know, I like these existential questions. Um, who is Kimberly? Uh, I think I'm a very multifaceted individual. So I am, uh, I would like to say I call myself an education lover. I am someone who is a bit of a nerd. I'm very into books. I'm very into reading new things. I am a bit of a comedian, part-time as well. I love comedy. I am a really good friend. I'm a really good listener. And I am left-handed. Really? I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you threw that in, I'm left-handed. My, my sister Jarell is also left-handed. I think there's just something about left-handed people. We're just like really brilliant people. I heard. My son, my six-year-old is left-handed too. So I guess I have good things to look forward to, right? Exactly. Take full advantage of that. Wow. <laughs> Well, I should should I force my three year old to be my three month old to be left handed to force him? I think it's like a gift. You just have to wait and see if he's it's bestowed upon him. <laughs> <laughs> when did you actually become uh, a, a therapist and why mental health? Um, actually, I will start with I'll tell you why mental health first. When I just came out of community college and I started working. I worked as a customer service agent at my country's credit union. And I tell you, customer service is an area where you meet so many different people from all 
walks of life, right? And you would think that in a credit union, the main aim would be to come in, you know, either join, deposit money, withdraw money, and, you know, you do what you have to do. And what I found was that while doing this particular job, persons were coming in, you're sitting down, you're having a conversation, you're trying to explain to them, okay, this is why you joined. And then suddenly they begin pouring out their whole life story to you, you know? And I'm, I'm 17, 18, and I'm like, well, what am I going to be doing with all this information as I'm trying to just join you here, sir? You know, and he's like, well, tell me what to do. I have these issues in my family, you know, help me. So and... people kind of connect, connect <laughs> yeah. the whole money aspect with asking mm -hmm. you for advice on what to do with their life. Exactly. Asking me for advice beyond the scope of monetary matters. And, you know, I kind of grew to like it. My coworkers, I was the go-to for a good number of my coworkers. And I decided, you know, when I was doing this job, what I wanted to do after would probably be, you know, figure out what it is that I can do to help persons better cope with whatever issues that they're having. Because at 17, I mean, you don't really have any life experience to be able to help people, in my opinion, at that time. So... From there, I decided maybe psychology was an area that I could look into. Mm -hmm. And from the University of the West Indies, I did my degree in special psychology, fell in love with it a bit more, and then onward to the master's degree a couple of years later. Hmm. That's a nice story. Um, it's so cute. <laughs> you actually, I, I, what I like is that, because a lot of times people leave high school and they're so unsure as to what happens next, especially in the Caribbean, because everybody's mother wants them to be a doctor and a lawyer oh. <laughs> of some sort. So <laughs> it's kind of dif difficult to figure out what you really want to do, what you what is burning within you, you know, to do. But it's nice that you were able to kind of put one-on-one -on -one together and say, hey, I'm helping people, although I'm doing, I'm managing their money as well, but I'm helping people. Why not become a mental therapist, which is why you're here today. Tell us a little bit about you growing up. Uh, when I was younger, I was definitely a bit of a tomboy. So my mom has my, it's myself and my brother, and I'm barely two years older than my brother. So, you know, we tended to play together a lot. I was a troublemaker, I will tell you. Uh, you would always find me in a guava tree, a plum tree, a plum rose tree, some, some tree, or playing with the boys or riding a bicycle <laughs> or a skateboard. I have fallen down more times than I can recount. But, you know, it, I had a really fun childhood. My childhood was either spent in books, reading, so I grew up on the encyclopedia era, you know, back in the days when internet was dial up and you had to ask your parents, eh, you know, can I go on the internet? And if you're on too long, you're taking up the phone. And <laughs> you know, people... <laughs> so, you know, my mom's like, why well, you don't read a book? So I really fell in love with books at a very early age. So I was either outside playing in the days of hopscotch and Morale, I don't know if people remember those games now. Yes, but. yes. <laughs> just yesterday, yeah. yesterday, I went to a digital center and they to get into the digital center, they had a hopscotch. Like it was a hopscotch all the way in. And I was like, look at how they're trying to connect, you know, the past. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cute. Yeah, but I definitely yeah. remember hopscotch. <laughs> exactly. So 
I, I had a, a good bit of tomboy days. Um, wow. Well, my nerd days. I, I really loved reading back then as well. Awesome. And, and was anybody in, in your in your community or around you, was there anybody who actually inspired you? As a teenager, I would say this, not when it comes to psychology and mental health therapy, back when I was a teenager, a lot of people weren't talking about it. It's not one of those areas that we were particularly open to as a Caribbean people, especially, you know, in my community. At that time, when I was young, I lived in the Ment uh, Glen community area, which was not too far from our mental health center that we have in our country. So we called it the crazy home. That's what they call it, the crazy home. So, you know, you tend to see a lot of people walking around who, you know, you would consider to be not well, insane, so to speak. And, you know, you always wonder, what is their story? How is it that these persons happened in this situation, happened or ended up in this situation? But eventually you would meet people and you'd hear their stories about what exactly was the situation, you know, and from there, you decide, you know, I can't judge what I don't know. So I would have met, for example, a young man who would I would have went to school with. And I remember, I think I was in community college at the time. And I, I guess this is what kind of led me on the, maybe psychology is something for me. When I was in community college, he had, I think he might have had a nervous breakdown and he committed suicide and nobody knew what had happened, you know, but the first thing people jumped to, well, is Obia, Obia thing, mm -hmm. you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't that it was the strain of the exams and the pressures probably got to him and he just couldn't handle it. And so, you know, he committed suicide. So that in itself kind of steered me to a, maybe there's something else going on here that we can probably think about. Hmm. And you decided to go to university, uh, of course, to UE to study. Uh, what was it like getting into university? And tell us a little bit about your educational background. <laughs> you know, I like this part. So uh, for my educational background, I not a lot of people know, but I failed all my A-levels. I tell you now, I failed all <laughs> with the exception of communication studies and psychology. So you know, like you rightly said, all Caribbean parents love to say they want their children to be doctors, lawyers, engineers. You know, my dad was no different. He thought that I had the doctor gene in me and um, he wanted me to be a doctor. And I thought, well, you know, I'm a little bright, little bright. So I might as well be a doctor. I went to A-level and failed bio, physics, chemistry, <laughs> all the makings, <laughs> mathematics too, all the makings of a doctor. So I was just like, maybe, maybe Jesus saying not this. You know, not this, <laughs> not this in particular. And um, like I said, after, but I'd done so well at CXC, I was able to get a job. And eventually, you know, you'd know that innately you have the ability, the capabilities to do well. So I sat for the UB Open Scholarship and I was able to succeed um, across the region and get a acceptance into Trinidad, funny enough to do medicine. <laughs> wow. The results were so good. They wanted me to do medicine, but I was just like, eh, no. 
psychology is where I'm heading. So I started off with psychology in Cave Hill. Kudos to UE. You know, UE has opened yeah. a lot of doors for a lot of people. Um, my sister, uh, Jarell, actually went, was, went to school at UE. And then Aurel got us a scholarship from UE and attended UE as well um, in Barbados. So um, UE is definitely opening the ways for a lot of Caribbean students. So you end up at University of the West Indies. Were there any scholarships that you got? What, what exactly? Give us a little insight as to what did you do to actually get into the program? So there's the UWE Open, the regional, UWE o regional Open Scholarship, they call it, where students from across the region sit a scholarship exam the year and before. A lot of people they don't know about that. A lot of people don't know about it. Um, usually it's, you can find it in your local newspapers or you can go onto the UWE website, uh, even send out um, emails asking information about it in particular. For me, luckily, we have a UWE open campus here. Mm -hmm. So my mom spotted the scholarship, the call for the open scholarship applications and told me to do it the day before the deadline. So I got in just, just before, wow. you know, the deadline to do the scholarship. And it's basically a English comprehension mathematic type exam. And I think the year that I started was the year that Sudoku, you know, that mathematical game? Yes, yes. That's, that's the year that Sudoku had just blown up um, across the world. And we had, for the mathematics exam, we had to do a Sudoku puzzle. So luckily for me, <laughs> I had found interest in Sudoku because that was the bulk of the mathematics exam. So a lot of people were just like, I don't know what this is. It's just boxes with empty letters and numbers. And yeah, but... The UWE Open Scholarship is a really good opportunity for persons within the region to have an opportunity to get into University of the West Indies, either Trinidad or Cave Hill. So you complete your degree. What happens next? Well, the thing about the UWE Open Scholarship is that they ask you to work in the region for two years. So I decided to come home and volunteer my services back at home as opposed to any other Caribbean island. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to work on the juvenile justice rehabilitative framework at the time. It was a frame, just a framework, which you then turned into the program itself. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about a year and a couple of months, as well as worked as a mental health counselor, substance and drug abuse addiction counselor for about five months when I just come back. Okay, and then you move on to in university. Yes, I then applied for the Fulbright scholarship to go off to do my master's. How did you find out about the Fulbright? Fulbright, there are some scholars within St. Vincent and the Grenadines who are interested in sharing that information about how their educational background got started. And one of those persons, Maxine Brown, had um, told me about it. So I went and did my own research and she was able to tell me, give me some pointers. And I had to sit the GRE because you, once you're going to university for the, doing your master's in the States, they ask that you get the graduate record examination, the GRE. So I sat the GRE and I was able to um, do really well on my interview for the Fulbright 
Fulbright Scholarship. We have a question um, coming up here. Um, says, Kimberly, other than what you've already stated, do you believe that your attraction to the field of psychology reflects the fact that you believe that there is a bit of mental illness in each and every one of us, including yourself? Also, if so, what mental illness do you think you connect the most with? <laughs> nice question there. Um, you know what? I actually do believe that there is a little bit of mental illness in each and every person. It's just that a lot of persons have better coping mechanisms than other people. So they are more able to, you know, handle that side of themselves enough so that society continues to see them as sane. Mm -hmm. As for the mental illness, I think resonates most with me. I would say a little bit of AD, well, I wouldn't say AD, what did I say ADHD? Is it, yeah, I think I have a little bit of a hyperactivity disorder to I me think sometimes. I yeah. <laughs> I think, I My think mind I is always bouncing. I always, I like, I've always said I have a little crazy in me. This is something that I've always maintained. And I, I don't really consider, I mean, especially after being friends, with someone who's who believes so much in mental health, which is uh, Dr. Nesty. Um, she, she, I swear, she's always psychoanalyzing me. She's always trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to tell me something. But anyways, I've always felt, you know, that I had a little crazy in me, you know, and and at times, you know, you do certain things and you're wondering, but you're probably not coping that well with this. And you, that's what it is, and and it's sad that. In our society, especially in the Caribbean, people are said to be crazy, as in mad and walking on the road naked, when they actually have mental illness, whereas we all have a little bit of crazy going on in, in us. Very true. We walk a very fine line, I think, when it comes to the things that we do, because certain behaviors we call creative genius you know, when people are, they do certain things or they create certain things when they are, for example, manic, but we call that creative genius. But, you know, in the world of psychology, certain people can point out, well, you know, this particular behavior is not what we would consider on the side of normalcy, but because of perhaps what the person is able to create under a manic episode, for example, or the things that they might say, we might say, you know what, that person really is a genius, but you know, it depends on what side of the coin that person is looking. Uh -huh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, let's talk a little bit uh, about um, postpartum depression. Um, as West Indians, we are taught growing up that, um, again, being mentally ill is walking up and down the streets, naked, talking to ourselves. We are told to be strong. We are told, shake it off. How has this stereotype fit with someone who's suffering from postpartum? So when it comes to postpartum depression, especially in the Caribbean, I think as Black women especially, a lot of pressure is put on the woman to just bounce back and be happy about the fact that she has had this healthy baby and, you know, she is a mother. And the focus is on the fact that she is a mother. But a lot of people don't sit down to think about the fact that there has been so much changes going on in the woman's body over the past nine months, 
eight months. You know, the the actual physical changes that's happening to the body, not to, not to mention the hormonal changes that are going on in the woman's body. The fact that she may or may not have a support system when she comes out of the hospital. So there's there's the psychological aspect, there's the sociological aspect, the physical aspect. A lot of that is not taken into consideration because of the fact that there is just one focus when women have children. And that's the fact that you have creative life. Be thankful that you have a baby and the baby is so cute and everybody's going to love the baby. But, you know, people don't really stop to think about the woman herself. And, you know, the fact that what is going to happen when she, you know, the sense of normalcy is the sense of normalcy even ever going to return because you have to take care of a whole other human being. So the woman herself fades to the background of you know, everything else because she's now responsible for someone else. So in this aspect, in this case, I think postpartum depression kind of, it gets pushed to the wayside and people don't really, and it's sad because people really have to think about the fact that this woman is going to need a support system, somebody, she is going to be able to wake up to and speak to about what exactly she's going through. And sometimes, especially in the, the Caribbean where there are so many single mother households, there isn't that support system. And that weighs a lot on the woman. Yeah, I think it's very important um, as you to, to reiterate, you know, that it's not just because we have a little baby that we're okay, you know, we're supposed Absolutely. to dote after the little baby. Oh, she's so cute. She's so cute. Um, what about the woman? What about what about me? You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, where is the love? You know, and and I, I appreciate. I must say, I appreciate the Canadian system because they always um, they'll call on you, like you have the public health nurse will call call you up throughout. You know, the year while you're while you're you're home with the baby and find out, are you okay? Are you having any suicidal thoughts? Are you, you know, they ask all these deep questions and they're asking me this question. I'm like, why are they asking me this? You know, like, but it is. It's for course, a reason. For a reason, right? And I really do appreciate that, that they don't just abandon. And even coming out of the hospital, I, I must say, you know, I was, I was pleasantly um, happy that, you know, they had a psychologist come in and speak with me and say, hey, you know, these are certain things to expect. And if you do start um, feeling or seeing things or, you know, because it comes in all different shapes and form, here's a contact number, call us, we'll send somebody to help you. You know, if you need help, if you need extra assistance, if you find if you have a crying baby that keeps you up all night, we'll send someone to, to, to come look after the baby for you during the day so you can sleep. So there's all of this really good support system, plus the fact that in Canada, they give you an entire year off with your baby versus the Caribbean, right. where everything happens has to happen in a three more month um, time frame, And you're supposed to go back to work with your breasts already feeling like you're gonna expand. <laughs> so many different things. And you don't expect these women to eventually suffer from or even during the time, you know, secretly suffering from postpartum depression because, of course, they're afraid to express themselves. Nobody's asking any question. Everybody assumes that everything is fine because now you have a beautiful baby, you know, to, to look at. Exactly. 
And I'm seeing a, a couple comments coming in. I see my supervisor there, Dr. Yes. Miller. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> she's she's right. It's a really it's a major readjustment. It's a major readjustment that we tend to take for granted. And you're right. Well, for those who have jobs to go back to, you know, come going after spending so much time with your child and bonding, you know, just waking up one morning and be like, okay, let me just hand this person over to hand my baby over to my maybe my mother or a cousin or something like that you know every throughout the day you're calling home to make sure the baby okay anything happen you know so it's, it's a hard it's very difficult and i think our systems in the caribbean need to look uh, look a little bit on that or into that in terms of um one expanding the length of time that women get to stay home with their babies um they could do um, like, uh, some sort of a, an extended maternity leave or even a paternity leave where they get the father to come in, you know, and share the time. And, and also thinking of the aftercare even after the fact, after you've had the baby, you know, it's not just having the baby come in and do immunization and do this and do checkups and do this. There needs to be something put in place for women. I think we would appreciate that a lot more. And, and it sort of will be an incentive for women to make more babies. Because especially when you've gone through a really tough time and you're going through a really tough time, you do not want to have any more kids, you know? And you find Caribbean women have stopped having kids because they're, they're more aware of themselves, you know? Okay. They're more conscious and they're like, hey, I don't like how I felt, you know, throughout the year of my pregnancy or after my pregnancy I don't want to feel that way again you know I felt like I wanted to kill my baby you know and stuff like mm -hmm. that 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 actually happens and you don't want to feel like that because you might actually you might actually do it you know right. so so it, it'll be good if things were put in place for that I want to get into you working a working with um AIDS slash HIV patients because that's exactly what you do and we have a few comments um, coming in and I just want to um, shed some light on it. Um, someone is saying I would love to hear about the juvenile legal framework developed or the process in, F in SVG so someone's asking about that that's Marsha don't know if you could shed some light on that. Okay really quickly so the juvenile justice framework was developed so that we could raise the age of the young boys and girls being sent to prison. Usually it would have been, you can be charged with a crime from the age of eight and you can be sent to, sent to prison, I think from age maybe 12 to 14 thereabouts. So what we're saying is that that is not a really, that's not a good representation of what we want for the young boys, especially in our country. So we wanted to raise that age to the age of 16 and upwards you should so we well even 18 actually we didn't want any children in the prison system so the okay. framework was created so that there could be other rehabilitative measures put in place for those juveniles who came into conflict with the law has so that they were, been successful so far i think the government has been working on it i know the bill is in it should be in process of being passed in the process of being passed in parliament, there's there are a few kinks that they need to work out, but there are various departments um, within our social ministry set up to deal with juveniles in conflict with the law. So hopefully, you know, for those who commit those menial crimes, they don't have to end up in the judicial system, but those situations and scenarios can be dealt with in the social ministry so okay. that they, you know, their, their records are not messed up. 
Okay, great. All right, I hope that answers your question, uh, Marsha Ann, who was asking. And I want to touch again on you working with AIDS and HIV patients, because that's your current role. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about about that role, because I can I can imagine working with people who have uh, mental issues, because mm-hmm. I've I've seen it. You know, I've visited the what they call quote unquote the crazy ward. You know, in Dominica and stuff, um, but. I cannot imagine how it is not just having a patient with an illness, but having an HIV patient with a mental illness or sometimes, I guess, connected because they probably develop mental issues because of the disease. Um, can you shed some light on that for us? Well, you know, as, um, as a psychologist within the HIV unit, I can tell you that the patients there are just like any other person, any other person without the disease. So what my focus is on with those patients would be adherence to their medication. So the patients that come in, they are not branded or anything like that. They look just like you and me once they're taking their medication and they're taking care of themselves. These are regular people. They have regular jobs. They have lives. They're married. They have children, you know, so they're, it's not, a, it's not a situation where I'm scared to be working with people like this or anything of the nature. You know, it's very interesting coming in to, to have conversations with these people. The main focus for me working in the HIV unit would be to have discussions with patients about adherence, making sure that they take their antiretroviral drugs so that in the event that they skip or they continue to skip taking those drugs, they don't develop... Um, variations of the HIV virus or different strains of the HIV virus because that can make things worse for them. So that's what we do within the HIV unit that's there. So there's a doctor and there's a nurse who works along with me and as well as my supervisor, Dr. Miller. So Hi. that's the that's what we do then. Dr. Miller is on right now and um, is saying, you know, proud to see we offer such support in SVG. And also is commenting and saying postpartum blues is different to postpartum depression. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Well, the postpartum depression, I believe, and Dr. Miller, she can correct me if I'm wrong, the postpartum depression is longer than the postpartum blues. So it's something that tends to go on for a longer period of time. The side effects are a lot more serious. There's listlessness. There's no willingness to come out of bed. There's no willingness to be a part of your baby's life, to even see the baby. Um, A lot of the times the women are not interested in being a mother to their child. The blues, however, it's usually kind of like a funk. You're in a funk, you're in a phase, but you tend to get out of it a bit quicker than the postpartum depression once you have the correct treatment. And um, when she was saying, proud to say we offer such support in SVG, I think she was referring to the fact that we do a, we do have a lot of that support within the hospital down at um, Milton Cato Memorial Hospital, where I currently work, where we do work with the women who are in the maternity ward to ensure that they are all okay when they're coming out of pregnancies. As, a, as, as well as an aftercare. Aftercare as well. Also, and we also do work with um, moms who might have miscarriages as well. 
Mm-hmm. We do we do a lot of work with with those moms as well. Great, awesome. Uh, kudos to you folks out there at SVG. Uh, mental, mental illness, especially in the Caribbean, is is considered um, taboo of some sort. It was worse back then. It's gotten better um, <laughs> as of now. Um, can you advise on what steps we should take if we observe someone maybe a bit unstable? Okay, first of all, dependent on if the person is violent or not, I don't think that you should bum rush the person as we like to say or you know try to calm them down and just run in to calm them down you have to tend to talk those persons down you know mm-hmm. give them some space don't don't crowd the person if it is that you see that they are having an episode sometimes you just you know gently let them know you know i'm here for you i'm whatever it is that you're going through i'm here i'm always going to be here this is where you are. You ground them in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as you rightly said, there is a bit of a reaction when people tend to talk about mental health in the Caribbean. It's not, it's a, it's not as taboo as it was before, but we, I feel like we still have a good way to go. In terms of what we have going on now, I think it would be great if persons practice a lot more self-care. We have to know ourselves and what we are capable of dealing with whenever we're going through various situations. So as much as we love to call ourselves strong, and as you rightly said earlier, resilient, there are certain things that we cannot handle on our own. And there is no shame in seeking therapy or finding someone who can help us with whatever situation that we're going through. There's no shame in it. And if we can remove the shame from therapy, that would be such an amazing advancement for so many people in St. Well, Vincent and in the wider Caribbean region. I'm glad that you said that um, and you touched a little bit on the, the therapy aspect of it because uh, just the other day I was speaking to a friend of mine and I asked him, you know, what have you been up to and stuff? And he said, well, actually, I just started to see a therapist. And the first thing that came to my mind was, what's wrong? Are you okay? You know, because <laughs> that, that is generally uh, our reaction. You know, when you hear you're speaking to a therapist, everything okay at home? And he goes, no, everything is fine. And I go, everything is fine. So what is the therapist for? He goes, well, exactly why I'm seeing a therapist. I want everything to remain fine, you know? Yeah. And, and he said he preferred to be proactive than reactive in the sense of he doesn't great. want when things, you know, get tough and he did that he doesn't know how to deal with things. So he figured, why don't I deal with it, deal with things now and, and, and speak to somebody about what's happening now, now that I don't feel any pressure to do so and, and hopefully uh, maintain good mental health, you know, and, and that was his take on it. Um, and you don't see that happening very often. You know, you people people wait until there's a problem to actually get Absolutely. a solution. Uh, what is your, what, what do you have to say about that? I think your friend is absolutely smart. He's so smart, you know, and I, I, I absolutely agree with what he said that we tend to be reactive rather than proactive because if it is that we're having a really good patch, I think that's like one of the best times to see a therapist because all of the focus can be on how do I remain in this particular space? What are the tools that I need that can bolster these emotions that I am feeling currently? You know, how is it that I can work right now while I am stress-free 
on reactions to things that are going to stress me later on. You know, because when you come into therapy and predominantly when therapists see persons, it's been after a emotional event or a traumatic event. So they're kind of trying to pick up the pieces. So, you know, when you come to therapy, you're a little bit fragmented. So we're trying to help them stick the pieces together and that might take some time. And then after that, you still have to work on how do I help myself to remain stuck together, you know? So mm -hmm. there's different parts to therapy because there's the healing aspect and then there's the whole aspect of now that, and you know, well, before that, some persons aren't, might not even be fully healed. It might take some time, you know? And then even if they do reach a point, what are the things that I'm going to be able to do so that I don't have to experience this again? Or how do I handle these situations better? So, you know, those are the kinds of things that therapists have to deal with, and which, are, which is why I think it's so important and great that your friend, you know, went when he was in a good enough space to appreciate the techniques that he could possibly learn to help him with future situations that he might have. Wow, I, th I think that's brilliant, and I think that's something that we should all probably consider adapting to. Um, but what would you? What can you say? Or what would you say to ensure, say to someone to ensure that they uh, remain healthy mentally? Uh, check in with yourself. You know, you have to deal with a lot of introspection. And that's something that even therapists also have to do a lot of introspection. Am I going through anything that might hinder me from helping my client? And the same way, you really have to tell your, your client so you can encourage person, check in with yourself. You know, if you're going through a situation, if you find that you're pulling away from people or, you know, all of your friends are saying, you know, something is a bit off with you. Take some time to yourself. Don't be afraid to be alone and just spend time with yourself to see, is everything okay? Am I happy? You know, is something bothering me that I can't really shake? Is there a dark cloud? You know, have I been depressed for a long period of time and I'm not, you know, I can't seem to shake it. Know yourself. You have to really learn yourself. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of times all we do is we're, we just constantly live as people. We're just living, going through day to day because there's just so much going on with us that we don't take time to, you know, sit down and smell the roses, as we love to say, and just mm -hmm. figure out, you know, how, when last have I taken a me day, a day for me? I just sat down and focused on me. I didn't have to worry about everything else that was going on. And if you haven't had one of those days in a very long time, it's really important that you do so. And if it is that you find that when you sit down with yourself, there is an issue or certain things that you can't really, you know, deal with, find somebody to talk to, find a therapist, find somebody. Alicia is saying it is important to note that people can see therapists for a variety of reasons. And many people benefit from brief therapy focused on short-term issue or a difficulty. Yeah, absolutely true. Great. Um, I just want to get into you a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more. Um, if you were to, if somebody were to ask you, um, describe Kimberly in one sentence, what would you say to that person? Kimberly is a young woman still trying to find her footing 
in a constantly evolving and ever-changing world. Yeah. That is one long sentence. But it's one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) It's long, but it's still one sentence. (laughs) Are you, uh, I want to get a little personal with you. Um, Is Kimberly single? Kimberly is dating. (laughs) No, I'm glad that you said that because the Caribbean tends to put dating in one bracket or one, and then (laughs) North America. I remember, you know, moving back, going back and forth between the Caribbean and and Canada. Um, I said to somebody once, Dominicans don't know how to date. They see with a man. And next week, if you're with an X-Man, boy, she liked plenty, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is also, this is it's also local. It's, it has to be a Caribbean thing. It's, it's a Caribbean thing. It's a Caribbean thing. But I think we as Caribbean people shouldn't limit ourselves to, you know, saying that once you're dating somebody, that means you're absolutely with that person. You're young. You have the opportunity to see people. You have the opportunity to kind of find what you like. And you can't really find what you like if as soon as the first person you meet, you settle down with that particular person. So date, you know, see people, see what you like, see what floats your boat and be okay with that. And then when you find somebody or somebody's that fit the, <laughs> that fit the mold, then you work with that and you go forward. And definitely. Um, I can attest to that. Um, I, my mom was, was a, was the type of woman well she was a woman who married the first person she fell in love with <laughs> and <laughs> she never dated anybody else she knew nobody else than wow. my father right and i remember i thought i would have had a tough time with her growing up or uh, especially when i became a teenager i felt oh gosh i was the first man she ever you know so she, i yeah. thought she, and she was completely different i don't know if the fact that she was a nurse probably had a lot to do with it but she always said to me get to know people you know um you can date you can talk you know you can um speak to people and i remember i kind of turned that around on her because when i met my partner um she said so are you guys gonna get married and i'm like mommy i don't <laughs> window shop i uh, like to try on the clothes and make sure uh, i feet right okay <laughs> Right. Okay. So, so she goes. So she goes There's nothing wrong with that. Go in the shop and try all the clothes on. <laughs> 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 yeah. So so um so that so that's you're you know, young. You're young. You're allowed to. You're allowed to shop around. You're, you're allowed, allowed to, to shop explore around. and you're allowed to know, get to know other people, and and also even talking to to um a lot of you know students who have probably left home and they've gone abroad to study and they probably left significant boyfriends or, or lovers, you know, back home. And, you know, the, the one is scared that the other might move on. And <laughs> I, I've always said, you know, if you're going away to study, that is just my opinion. Okay. Break up with right. the person. Because if it's meant to be, y'all will yeah. get back together. Because when you get in that space, a different place, you meet people who are on the same level as you, intellectually, socially, whatever it is, and then you realize that person I'm with is kind of boring. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. 
I think also we tend to, well, when I say we, women tend to like men that they can learn from, you know? So if it is that you might have met somebody or you had somebody in particular and then you go, go away to university and you meet, you, you, you meet people from so many different walks of life, so many backgrounds, so varying levels of intellect, you know, you kind of get starry eyed a little bit about, you know, all the possibilities, you know, and things like that. We're not saying that, I'm not saying that this only happens in university because you can definitely learn a lot from people who haven't been to university. Street sense, street sense is a different type of intellect altogether. I don't really have much street sense. You don't know, I'm, I'm all street. I'm all street. Let me tell you, I'm all street. I'm still working on my, my street sense. I'm still working on my street sense. I'm getting there though. I'm getting there. Yeah. But. Uh, Kimberly, do you have any regrets in life? Yes. Yes. Uh, I am human. So there are a couple people I wish I didn't date. There are a couple people that I wish I didn't, whose feelings I wish why, I didn't hurt. Why do you say there are, why do, what do you say there are a couple people you wish you didn't date? What about the experience just threw you off? Uh, you know, Sometimes you date people that make you date a, um, hate a whole country. Yeah, I don't want to hate a whole country on account of a very bad experience. If I could just throw the whole experience away and learn to love people from a particular country all over again, I'll be fine. But I think I've grown out of that. <laughs> I think I've grown out of that. That's fine. You know, and there are a couple of things that I wish I might not have said to some people in terms of hurt feelings and things like that. I, you know, I would have regretted regretted that apart from that i think i've had a, a very good life so far i'm definitely looking forward to what's to come what would you say would be your greatest accomplishment for me so far i think it would be educational having the opportunity to go and accomplish an education debt-free so, you know, this scholarships thing, I'm, I'm so blessed to have an education that I did not have to pay for. I, I appreciate that. I think that, you know, coming out with a master's degree at such a high quality level is one of the accomplishments that I appreciate most of all. You know, making my parents proud as well. I'm really, really proud of that. Let's see, so okay. We have Alisa here. Um, I was saying, Kim, I would like to know how was leaving the Caribbean influence you personally and professionally? Has it been tough to get back in step with the people at home and carve a niche for yourself? Hmm. I think leaving St. Vincent and going away to study has definitely changed me personally because of the fact that I've had to change my mindset about so many different things when I went overseas. Once you go overseas and you meet persons that you might not have the opportunity to meet in the Caribbean, for example, persons who are transgender, persons who do not identify, we call them non-binary people. You know, you definitely have to expand your way of thinking. You definitely have to expand your way of thinking once you leave these shows, once you leave these Caribbean shows. So I definitely think it's really stretched me in a really good way. And now that I'm back here, I don't think that there is much that's going to shake me in terms of, 
you know, give me too much challenges when it comes to meeting people and understanding their life stories, because I've had a really great array of experiences abroad. Professionally, I think that also ties in with me personally. I have a lot more empathy going forward as a therapist, and it's really important that, you know, I be empathetic as a psychotherapist, especially if I'm going to be dealing with persons with HIV and AIDS. And in terms of carving a niche, I think that there is opportunity here for me to do what I want to do, which is to work with um, children with autism, do behavioral therapy and these sorts of things. So I find that I have had an open reception to persons back home. Mm -hmm. I have an they're they're receptive. They might not have been a couple of years back, but I think people are starting to open up in St. Vincent. And I really appreciate the fact that, you know, they're trying, they're asking questions. And, you know, if they don't understand, they're willing to learn. A lot of people are willing to learn. And I, I appreciate that about the Vincentian populace. Um, I think that is Anika. Anika, Anika is asking, piggybacking on Alisa's question, what would you say to people who scoff at people returning home to the Caribbean from pursuing their degrees abroad? Why did you come back home? Questions getting hard, boy. Them people tight. These people know me so well. This is why. <laughs> These are my. This is my. Aneka is my girlfriend from University of the West Indies. So all of us went to school together. Um, as for persons who who make fun of people who come back home after studying abroad, I think that. I would tell them it's a shame that you do not support people who are trying to run away from the brain drain situation that we have in the Caribbean. You know, somebody has to nation build. Very somebody true. has to build. Somebody has to look out for the generation that's left behind. Somebody has to talk to the aunts and the uncles who are in the mental health rehabilitation centers. And you know, if all we're doing is talking about it from abroad, then who is going to look after these people? Who is going to help? So we can't complain about the state of our country when we're not doing anything to help it and we're not doing anything to fix it. So I came back home because I definitely believe in putting my money where my mouth is, you know? If I'm going to talk about the fact that, you know, mental health is an issue in my country, you know, we're not talking about it. We have too many persons who are dealing with suicide attempts. We have too many young people who are hurting themselves, cutting themselves. I can't talk or chat about the fact that nobody's doing anything when I have the capabilities fully to do something myself. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And like my girlfriend says here, Alisa, we are the ones we are waiting for. Absolutely. So here I am to do what I said I was going to do. And I said I was coming back home to help my people. So I'm coming back home to help my people. Wow, that was beautiful. Love, love that. You, you spoke with such you got aggressive there for a second. Like you was like yes. you were some personal experience. Somebody tell me something. Absolutely. And, and I want them to know I came back and put in where my money, where my mouth is. Yes. Let them know. Hear ye, hear ye. She give them some real tackle. She point a heart on your head today. Mm. Uh, look, she's she drinking her cattle tea. Uh, Joe Thompson is, is, is clapping on that one, Alisa uh, says. 
I said what I said. Well said, um, <laughs> Kimberly. Um, good one. I mean, it's been a pleasure having you on with me. I know time is time is done, and it was sweet. It wasn't. It was short. It was sweet. It was to the point. I really appreciate what you're doing for your country, and I hope others will take a page from your book and do just the same for their country. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, you also have to note some people get very discouraged, even by their own country. You know, Absolutely. so sometimes you Absolutely. sometimes you do go back and you want to. You can't get the work. You can't get the work. And you but I, you know, to those people, don't give up. You know, make connections, call people, knock on doors. You know, you we are the ones we've been waiting for. We're young. These persons who don't want to help, they're not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. We're still here. Very We're true. Those old people will eventually die out. <laughs> unfortunately to say you know the truth is the truth they're not going to be there forever mm -hmm. so we're going to have to come we're going to do the work we have the stamina we have the energy we believe in what we're doing so come knock on doors make connections call people talk to people contact people and let's get stuff done amen to that it was a pleasure having you here uh, with Thank you so Kimberly, much. Um, sharing with us, we got personal, we got, we kept it professional, and <laughs> I'm happy that you could speak to us a little bit on um, on mental illness and and your your own life story, a bit of it. And uh, I want to say thanks again to you for taking time out of your schedule to be here with me. I mean, um, or even initially initiating, you know, um, the entire conversation because without you actually connecting with me. Um, would not have made this possible today. So I really appreciate that. And um, I also your um, you being a carry scholar, you know, it's my sister's organization. I, I, yo, you know, I push her so hard for her to She's get that She's doing a great job. She's role. doing so much great stuff. And, and I am really appreciative to everyone who has actually become a, a, a carry scholar, who have become a mentee or a mentor. And um, if you'd like some more information on becoming a Carrie Scholar, you can uh, visit her on Facebook. She is, that's Carrie Scholar. Uh, you can also go to the website, it's CarrieScholar.com. I've also put all of um, Kimberly's uh, social media handles in the box above. So you can just click on there and you can connect with her on social media. Do not stalk her because she is a psychotherapist. So she'll know if you're stalking mm. her, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the handles are there so you can connect with her if you want to ask her questions and you're probably scared to do so on the timeline so i'm Absolutely. sure i reach out uh with you uh, or to you at at some at some point i want to thank all of the viewers who came on and commented asked questions shared um, the post um, continue. If you're actually looking at this right now, you know, share the post, let somebody know um, a little something because, you know, it's always good to learn a little bit, a little bit more than you already know. And, um, and share the video with, with your friends and family. For those of you who have missed it and you'd like to log on again, you can always come on um, on my website, that is www.jljoseph.com. So that's my full name.com. And you can click on the plug. In 24 hours, Kimberly's interview will be up there as well as linked to iTunes. So you can actually get um, a listen of the entire show again. 
I want to thank Kimberly, a special to you. Thank you so very much for thank being you. on here. Thanks again to all the viewers and all the listeners of the podcast. I really do appreciate you. Without you coming on the show is not possible, right? So without the interaction, the show is dry, bakes with no cocoa tea. But on that note, I remember to drink a little cocoa tea now and again. Keeps your heart warm, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, you guys call it cocoa tea in, in, in St. Vincent too? No, we call it cocoa. Really? Well, yeah, well, I was wondering about the spelling. It's like it, this. You know, it's funny you said that because I thought I was a little crazy, you know, with the spelling. But I was walking to Scarborough Town Center, which is in like a, a, a shopping mall close to Yeah, by. I know it. I know it. And and they opened up a brand new store and it's called Kako 70, as in 70, spelled C A C A O. So, me not crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even in Canada, they spell it Kako T, right? Okay. Well, so, well that's great because I was just like, I don't know if you spell that right, girl. But okay. <laughs> girl, what grows on the, on the tree is Kako, it's not Kako. We call it cocoa when, 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 when they've, you know, they've gone and they've done all the processing, they cocoa it up, but it's good old fashioned cocoa. So you can have cocoa tea and uh, keeps the nice, the, the, the chest nice and warm. And I thank you again, Kimberly, for being here with me. <laughs> I hope that we can stay in touch. And yes, again. absolutely. And I'll be care. tuning in. Thank you so much. You're have welcome. a great time. Bye-bye. Me as well. Bye. -bye. Bye.